right, three, two, one. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Failure Friday, where we talk to friends, family, clients, and sometimes complete strangers about how they have face planted forward, how their terrible life experiences have made them better people, better professionals, better family members, spouses, cousins, sisters, brothers, you name it. We all have it. We all have failures. We don't talk about it enough. And that's what this platform's about taking other people's fuck-ups and learning from them, seeing how they learn from them and how, if we're going through something similar, how we can learn from it also. So today we actually have our first kind of like stranger, Brandon. Like I barely know anything about you. So as you're watching this, I'm experiencing this too for the first time. He is being introduced as a content creator, but what does that mean? So Brandon, kind of take the, how I met Brandon was I was a guest on a podcast uh, with Sean Taylor, awesome guy. Uh, He was my personal trainer and Brandon was a guest on that podcast and we just shot the shit and had, I thought, a great conversation. Yeah, it was definitely a great conversation. And so then he was like, that bitch fire, let me go on her podcast. So now he's here. There it is. So tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, what makes you unique, Brandon? Um, well, I'm in sort of what I would call a transition. Um, I did um, work security for a long time. Um, I had a bunch of different jobs, but my main one was security and I did other you know, other jobs or whatever. Like I did Uber, um, Uber Eats, uh, Instacart, I mean, you name it. But my main thing was doing security and I had, wasn't really achieving much. It wasn't until about three or four years ago that I started on this journey I'm on now. I started my platform, started my podcast, um, started my sports show, uh, started my Candid Conversations um, uh, segments, and it took off from there. And the only reason it took so long is because fear. Fear Mm -hmm. held me back for a very long time. What were you scared of? Like if you could put it, define it. Nope. Nobody, nobody wants to hear uh, Brandon Lampley talk. Who wants to hear Brandon Lampley talk? Who wants to see his content? Who cares? So that that right there, it, it that that it, I was to the point where I was like, man, I'm, who's gonna watch? I'm not gonna get any watchers, listeners, or anything like that. So why? But my mom, she was like, why? Just start it. She's like, you you especially with sports. She was like, you're good. It was like you did it. What you do? You know a lot. She's like, I don't see much of the difference between you and the people who are doing it professionally. She's like, you just need to do it. So I jumped in. My first ever podcast was a breakdown of the Patriots Rams Super Bowl. Wow. That was like recent. Yeah. Uh, 2017. 2017. Wow. So like when I was a guest with you on that podcast, I definitely got the vibe that you had been doing this way longer than that. Oh, from uh, doing it way longer than 2017? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And video is even shorter because uh, that was audio. I did audio for like a year and a half before I even got the video. Like if you go back on my YouTube and look at my some of my older videos, it looked like I shot it with a toaster. It's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. You know, I've gotten much better. I actually got, you see the lighting, you know, got my chocolate skin looking good on this ring light. It got me a nice mic, got my camera and stuff like that now. You know, and it's slowly but surely um, building. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, so mine was more of a, I didn't really care if no one watched this because this was me trying to get back to the core of what I love about my job. 
because my my business was growing so fast that I was doing things that I didn't give a shit about, which is like scaling my business, learning about admin, hiring people, firing people. What I love about my job is getting to have these types of conversations. Like, what have you done wrong? What can we do better? How can I help you get to your goals? But I was getting away from that. And so I was coming from the opposite angle. I just wanted to talk. How did you get over that fear? Just your mom just being like, hey, Brandon, shut up and do it. That's that's what no, pushed you? It, it was something that I always wanted to do. Um, it, it's always been in the back of my mind. And I would say probably around 30. Once I hit 30 years old, uh, after 30, it was like 30 held a mirror up to me. It was like, yo, uh, you got to get it, man. It, it basically showed me every imperfection, everything, almost butt naked like. And I was like, man, I really don't like what I see when I look in the mirror. And I was like, well, it's time to change that. And overnight, seemingly, and it seemingly overnight, I changed a lot of things about my life. Um, from, I told you, I work out with Sean now, of course, and like I was much bigger than I am now. And, you know, I just I just saw him actually Friday. And um, I started on my fitness journey. I dropped fast food, like cold turkey, which was amazing. I like, I didn't think I would be able to do that, but I stopped doing it because I thought about, I was like, well, that's poison you're putting in your body. So moderation, gotta stop eating it like that. And then, it was like, you know what? Well, we got to build something for yourself. Security is not going to pay the bills. Odd jobs are not going to pay the bills or anything like that. So you got to figure out something else, other skills and other things you want to do. So, of course, it wasn't just podcasting, but that was one of the ones I was like, you know what? I'm just go ahead and do it. And I worked with a group called the 21st Men. A guy heard me talking one day at work and he was like, hey, I got an online TV show. And I want you to be a part of it. So I was like, okay, cool. And I had already started my podcast, just audio. So I did video with them. And after the first episode that I watched for guys on that panel had been doing it for years. And I was like, I don't see a difference between me and them. And at the more I did it, I was like, yo, I am really good at this. I was like, I, I gotta continue to pursue it. So now the pursuit now was not to be famous or make a ton of money or cloud or women or anything like that. I'm doing this simply because I know I can do it and I'm gonna regret it if I don't move forward with it. Yeah, I would say that regret is a huge motivator for me. I, I am so scared of being complacent. Like if I'm not super, and I'm not saying this is healthy either, but if I'm not super busy doing something, especially something that I'm not comfortable with, I get angry at myself. The fear, of, I regret, I don't wanna ever get to a place in my life where I didn't take a chance and I regret it later. Like that's, I'm terrified of that feeling. So I understand from that standpoint, what other tools did you use to get yourself to that point? You said overnight. So were you listening to podcasts? What were those podcasts that helped you? Books, books, oh, yeah. I did three. Yeah, um, motivational videos, um, especially for men on YouTube. Um, there's, you know, communities on YouTube and online in general. Uh, certain guys I may follow on Instagram or Twitter. And these Name are drop. Men who are accomplished. Um, one of the guys I watch, his name is Coach Greg Adams. I watch him probably more than anybody. And um, he's been instrumental in helping men in general just, you know, get their lives on track. Basically, take a look at yourself and be very honest about where you currently are. And if you don't like what you see, you can change it. And as a man, we think that we don't have a whole lot of time. 
that's one of our issues as men is we think we got to have it all today because the dating on dating market just take dating for example women want the pre-made man they want the man who already has it all so young men especially are like man i gotta get it i gotta get it so some of them turn to things that are illegal or whatever to get to that point but it's all about trying to get to that point and so they basically teach you like hey play the slow game slow it down as a man you need to play the long game you're not really going to hit your financial stride until 40 as a man average age of a millionaire is 62 years old so it's it, it, you got to play the waiting game as a man but while you're waiting and while you're playing the long game build one brick at a time once i learned that once i learned it was one brick at a time it became easy after that what did you think it was before you it was one brick at a time you got to build it right then and there yeah, I mean, you got to put the house up, Opportunity. you got to lay the foundation, you got to get the plumbing, the roof. The, I mean, the, you, are, you are on a time clock and you, you got to get it. No, no bones about it. So did you believe in the lucky person, the person that was just came into opportunity? Like, how did you think that uh, the average person built before you listened to Ray Adams? Was it Ray Adams? Coach Adams? What'd you say? Uh, Greg, Greg Adams. Greg um, before, Adams. Um, well, no, before I knew that people built, um, but I also paid attention just like social media. Social media really only shows you the highlights of people's lives. They don't show you the mm -hmm. lowlights. They don't show you what they went through to get there. So it wasn't until I started being around more men who like they lived their lives. I mean, these guys are six figure earners. They make their own money, you know, families and all of this and just talking to them. And oh, and also them, they've mentored me. Um, there's a couple of guys, one of my former co-workers, his name is Claude, and he's like 50, he's in his late 50s, I won't give his age, he's in his late 50s, and he's a former Marine, and a minimalist, and some of the best advice, and anything that's major in my life, outside of my parents, I'd probably go to him, and ask him, hey, what you think about this, when I was getting ready to leave my last job, uh, so what do you think about this, when I started the podcast, and hey, what do you think about this, what do you think about that? And along the way, he was like, okay, yeah, do this, do this. Okay, I, I wouldn't do this. He said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. This what I would do. You know, he would just kind of guide me along. You know, so he was one of the, one of many. How did you come across him? Work. Work, my last just job. Work. I worked for FSCJ uh, doing security. And um, he was there working security as well, you know, because he's retired from the military. He's retired from the Marines. So he's just there to get out the house or whatever. He doesn't, he didn't, he doesn't need to work. And he works like eight jobs and he doesn't need to work because he wants to get out of the house. And so what he does is he wants to pay for things for family and his lady and stuff like that too. But I mean, the man doesn't need to work. And so just watching him work hard and tirelessly every day, almost 60 years old. Oh yeah, it makes you feel inadequate real quick, especially if you got complaints and you're fully healthy and you're young. Some people are just built to work though. like. Some, some people just love work. I like to think I'm one of those people, but then I meet someone like Claude that you're talking about, who just all like is in his late fifties and has eight jobs. Like that's just, I, yes. I don't know, but he's happy. Oh man. Yeah. He, he, he loves his life. I'm trying to get to that point where he is currently. Oh yes. So what life-altering, salty, bittersweet, enriching base plan of an experience are you presenting today? Uh, I would say the period in my, say, mid, I would say mid-20s to where I just, I I wouldn't say gave up, but I just stopped caring. I stopped caring. And, and, and what did that health, look like for you? 
I, I let my health go. I got up to, I was like, like, like 380 or something like that. Um, I just, I just didn't care. I wasn't achieving anything, wasn't doing anything. And that it set me back. I could be so much further along right now had I not taken that, that chunk of my life and just did nothing with it. How long was that period of time? I'll say probably about a four, three to four year period to where it was just, it just went, went complete to didn't care. And it was really after, towards the end of the last relationship I was in, going into now post the relationship. Um, that, yeah, it, it started in earnest around the end of the relationship. And then once the relationship was over, really went into it. And then I kind of woke up a little bit, a little bit time after that. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute, what am I doing? I gotta, I gotta get on the ball. What are you doing? That was my next question. Was it, was it gradual or like, did you know immediately, was there a day where you just had an epiphany and you were like, I'm, I've lost myself or was it gradual? And then it just got so bad that other people were like, Hey bro, you're okay. No, one day it's like, I woke up one day. It's like, it's literally like, that's why I, I talk about 30 years old. Yeah. 30 years old is like, that's what most, most people anyway, around 28, 29, 30 is where they kind of have their epiphany phase. Men and women do women's epiphany phase. You guys are like, man, um, I, I can't party like that no more. If I, if, if they're looking to settle down and want a husband around that time, they're like, yo, the clock is ticking. I'm coming to the end of my fertility window. I got to get it. And for men, it's like, man, I haven't achieved a whole lot. If I want a family, if I want to provide, if I want these things, well, women want this and I don't have this. So I need to get that. And so we all kind of go through that epiphany phase. And when it hit me, it was like, yo, you need to wake up, man. And once I woke up, I was like, wow, I, this was a very ugly thing. Very ugly. But I will say that I am thankful for going through that period because now I kind of, I know what, the almost rock bottom is that wasn't quite rock bottom but it was a rock bottom in my life that wasn't quite rock bottom well when i say rock bottom by other like the total standards of what rock bottom is wasn't rock bottom like i wasn't homeless destitute didn't have money couldn't feed myself oh no like no that. no no yeah, yeah, yeah but your as rock as, bottom your rock bottom is your rock bottom like that's yeah your worst. so we that was that rock bottom. that was it no that was my rock bottom during that period, because like I said, everybody has their own rock bottom. During that period, were there people in your life that were checking on you say, that brought it to your attention? So like when I was going through my rock bottom, which was about a period of two years in college, we'll call it three years, I constantly had people that were like, dude, like get your shit together. Like you're fucking up constantly throughout the entire period. Did you have that? Yeah. Oh yeah. My, my mom stayed, you know, stayed on me about different stuff here and there. Um, but people outside of my mom, uh, none of them really came to me, I guess, and was really critical or anything like that. Um, yeah, none came to me and was like, hey, you, you gotta get this together. You're not doing this, you're not doing that. No, I kinda, kinda mostly came to that on my own. Cause, and when I go back and look at old pictures and everybody who were around me at that time, nobody really said anything. No, it was like, hey, yo, your feet probably going to get cut off because you're going to get diabetes or something like that. Man. Nobody said things like that. No, it's like, it's whatever, you know? Um, and I think that's one of the differences between men and women, because with women, of course, you being a woman, people are going to care. They're going to care. You start 
crying right now in the middle of a parking lot, a crowded parking lot. Oh my God, what's wrong? Well, what happened? I start crying. They be like, yo, what's wrong with that dude over there? Hey, get the kids, <laughs> man, get in the car. We got to go. That's the difference. You're not wrong. That is a difference. Yeah. I've never had someone point that out, but that's, that's true. Do you wish, do you think it would have impacted your situation sooner? If someone would have done that, someone close to you? No, no, it wasn't yeah. until, no, it wasn't until I wanted to change something that it, it mattered. So until, if it wasn't my idea, my suggestion, things that I wanted to do, I mean, it may have started for a little bit. I may have started on it. Like at the suggestion of people, my mom or other people about doing things, I would, if I didn't really want to do it, I may start it or whatever, like college, for example, my mom wanted me to go to college and I was like, I kind of really didn't want to go. I had no interest in it. I still have no interest in college, but I went and I was miserable there. So I was like, you know what? I'm out. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I tried it, went back again one time and I was like, no, mm -mm, no, mm -mm. maybe later on down the line, we'll do something. But for now, no. So when you left college you didn't feel any shame because i've talked no. to a lot of people and that's this your scenario is not unique when it comes to college a lot of people feel shame like they should be there but they don't want to be there but you were just like this isn't for me yeah i was like yo this isn't for me i want to do something else only thing my mom told me was she was like well and i'm a worker that's what i do i, I work so she was like well you know you don't want to do that you know just get a job you know figure out what else you want to do and but you know, you can't just sit around and not do nothing, which I knew that. So I always, I've been working since I was like 15. So um, yeah. That's a really good quality though. I think people that have worked from a young age have almost a leg up when it comes to the labor force as an adult because they know how to grind. I, the biggest issue I see with our generation is that for whatever reason, they don't know how to grind. Like they see, mm things like the NFT world or crypto market. And they're like, I can be a millionaire overnight. You still got to grind. I mean, learning about that shit is a grind. You're not just going to figure out how that shit works overnight. Um, so that that's a huge leg up right there. So when you did come to the realization that you needed help, you knew I just got to grind. Yeah. Yeah. I knew the work. You're not scared and, of the grind. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's, I think that that's, that's probably what helped me the most. Um, from, you know, the guys I listen to, motivational guys. Um, shoot, even um, being around Sean, the, I think it's been about a year or so, being around him, you know, how tirelessly of a worker he is, how he's grinded and he's doing things. Uh, he's got the podcast, you know, he's trying to, he's got some, I ain't gonna say what his other ventures are, but he's got some other things coming or whatever. And he's a grinder, you know, being around him. Um, John Reed, he writes for the Florida Times Union and he covers the Jaguars. You know, he spoke highly of your husband. Um, he say him and uh, uh, AJ, he say, he say um, the last couple of conversations they had were about um, your, your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the light so, of our eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So he said he had some good conversations with AJ. He said, um, you know, and yeah, we're going to miss AJ. Um, seven years here. He's a good, good pro. Um, hopefully Houston is, ugh, I hate to with Houston, but that's a whole nother podcast. What, what do you have against Houston? No, this is a tidbit. We're in the same Houston. division. It's, we're in the same division, and I just hate when Jacksonville played them because they usually beat us even when they suck. So it's like, ugh. Hey, 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 hey. Whoa, Brandon. Whoa. Tone it down. We you just became a Texan like two <laughs> minutes ago. Come on, man. 
Hey, get out of here! I'm excited for a restaurant scene for one, a nightlife for two. Oh, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure. Some shopping. Yeah. I mean, the only thing we have here is a Louis Vuitton. Yeah, yeah, I know. Understood. But being around Mr. Reed, um, these guys, they they're accomplished. You know, he's done it. uh, He's wrote for 34 years. He covered the Pelicans and covered the Saints. Um, in the NBA, and um, he's been coming to Jaguars for the last five years. Um, you have Corshawn and stuff. So, um, guys, some of the guys I work with, they're a lot of the former military guys. Like, I didn't know military dudes made that type of money. Like, these guys had money. And it's because they were smart and they saved it. But they had money. One of my former bosses, he drove a Viper. And I was like, where do they even sell those? I don't even know they even sold those. He said, they don't. He said, not this one. You won't get this one no way. So these were very prominent men. And once I saw them, I was like, okay, I see where my target needs to be. Yeah, that's, how do you attract those people to your circle? Because one of my favorite quotes, and as a kid, I used to hate it when people would say this, like, you're so cheesy, shut up. Birds of feather flock together and- That's real. You're the average of the five people you hang around. That's real, that's real. You are the average. You become who you hang. And it makes sense in theory, but look around your circle. And if none of them are smarter than you, make more money than you, calmer than you, if they don't have some type of quality of you that you want to have, you're in the wrong, you need new friends. Yeah, yeah. And I will, I'll probably say, um, I would have to ask them um, what made them take a liking to me. Um, but just me with them, I mean, they were older guys and they had it together. And when they spoke, they made sense when they spoke. So I was like, I think I want to listen to this guy for a little bit, you know, and and I'll, I maybe, well, I won't say maybe, but the charis- being charismatic and people just naturally like me, you know, I've never understood it. You know, I don't care. I don't have an issue with it, but I've never understood it how. You know, people will just naturally gravitate towards me and naturally like me. People be telling me their business, man. I don't even know them that well. And I'm like, yo, I really didn't need to know that personal stuff about you. Not this soon, but hey, you feel comfortable, so I won't make them feel bad about it, you know. But that's how I know that that's somebody who, you know, they really like me, I guess. Yeah. How you get people to gravitate towards you, what's contagious about you? And you were saying, one, you have to ask them what makes you so attractive to them. But I, and people tend to tell you their business, which is something that I've always been plagued slash blessed with. And I think it's because even when, first of all, it's flattering, right? When people share personal business with you, even when you don't want to know it, it's flattering. But I also think it's because people like you and I try our best to add value to every conversation we have and people appreciate that we and we're givers every single time to a fault it it seems like to where we'll give so much more in a relationship than we receive but that's okay because we feel good when we give oh yeah Um, that's like um well i hear the um the younger ladies um on the internets they talk about you know the finesse game and finessing dudes brandon you are young I'm 33. I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking, we're talking about these late teens, early twenties. You know, I have some semblance of sense now, you know, um, on one, one head is out thinking the other now. I don't, I don't have that issue right now. Um, but, um, the younger ones, they always talk about the finesse game and, oh, it got them to do this and get them to get you this. It's not a finesse if that's something that I wanted to do. 
That's true. That is very yeah. true. That's I like the I like the way you did that. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't your choice. It's not you didn't not win a prize for being manipulative. You knew what they were doing. Yeah. The choice. Yeah. Okay, so back to your rock bottom. You had did you have any specific health scares associated with that? Um I did have a um I got I think uh this summer of twenty twenty that I got really sick and it had nothing to do with um my I guess weight or diet or anything like that, which I I got screened for cancer at the time because because I had like dropped like 30 pounds in like two weeks, couldn't eat, you know, couldn't um, just basically drink water or whatever. I was had a constant upset stomach and stuff like that. And I had like dropped some weight, like um, had to get blood work done and they didn't like it. So they sent me to cancer specialist, stuff like that. So, um, but came back on, you know, clear and whatnot. So, but after that, um, I was like, yo, I, you know, got to continue to change because I had started a little bit and started to change stuff. But really after that, I was like, you know what? I want to be stronger. I have to get stronger. I got to get stronger physically. Um, want to be stronger internally, my immune system, things like that. Um, so I could fight off anything that comes along. I said, I'm in a vulnerable state right now. I have to get stronger. That's dope. First of all, that that was your first physically you wanted to change. What changed when you started focusing on your physical fitness um, what, well, what was, the byproducts of that um one of the byproducts of it because um when i was um at my biggest i was virtually invin invisible like to women that I, I was invisible i i could tell just the way interactions um especially women who didn't know me and being out and about and seeing them it's like they saw right through me um, didn't see me at all now it's different now it's different. Not saying that I'm the Mac or a man or anything like that, or just woman coming up and oh my God, he's so whatever. No, but I see the difference now. I see the difference, especially the way the looks, the engaging with me, talking to me when I haven't said anything to him, stuff like that. That that had came to a complete halt. And then now it's picked back up. It's like that's one definitely one of the byproducts. So before you gained weight, it, it seems like there was a heavier focus on your physicality. Before that, you knew how to engage with women, so you were able to compare the difference. Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was always a talker. It wasn't so. like you were this shy kid before. No, no, man. I hung out with everybody. It didn't matter. Cool kids, jocks, nerds, geeks. Uh, the ones who were all black that were super pasty, who couldn't be in the sun too long. Like it didn't matter. I would talk to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny I want to touch on something touchy wow see what I did there unintentionally so we said that it was the end of a relationship being honest with ourselves how, and there's no shame in this because my deepest darkest period stems from a shitty relationship how much did that relationship contribute to you falling into rock bottom shortly after uh -huh. and is that the true failure is that where failure be in this situation? Um, I would say that's the true failure um, because even with that relationship ending, I decided to walk away. You know, and I didn't get, you know, didn't get dropped, but I decided I was like, you know what? I, I don't want to do this anymore. It can still be a failure if you walk away. It's a feeling. Oh, oh yeah. Well, 
yeah, I, of course, the relationship failed because we're no longer together. You know, right. yeah. So, of course, it was a failure. But I will say, I did blame myself. You know, I I was brutal on myself after the relationship because I felt like, man, I was like, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. Should have said this. Should have said that. I mean, I, playing back scenarios and all of our time together, I was like, man, I could have been better here. Could have been better there. And if it wasn't for a family telling me like, yo, there's not much you could have really done. And it was, it was over. It, it was time to move on and it was over. Um, and then that's when I was slowly, once I came to grips with it, and I would say that was probably lasted about a year. I would say I was probably in a, I was depressed. And now looking back on it now, I was definitely depressed. There's For sure. No doubt about it. I was definitely depressed. And so, but once I started to kind of come to grips with it and I moved on, you know, it's, um, you know, it's been up since then. I will say it has been up since then. Right. But I wanted to touch on that because I think that there's this shame for whatever reason. We can talk on this podcast. We've talked about suicide. We've talked about childhood rape. We've talked about, but there's something shameful about talking about how a relationship with someone we're, you know, that we once knew everything about, we now is a complete stranger. There's shame in talking about how that experience contributed the ending of that experience was the beginning of one of our darkest periods. And it contributed to a lot of these failures that I talk about on this podcast. And I don't know why it's weird because you learn so much from heartbreak. So yes. much comes from heartbreak. And what yes. you just said told me a lot about you, about how you thought you replayed scenarios about what you could have done. I don't think most men or women do that. I think when they leave scenarios, a lot of us build a callus over it and we don't deal with it again. There's something to be said about the individual that reprocesses, that redraws, that rehashes, and thus heals from that experience. Yeah. So looking back on how you handled that breakup, which it seems like is the onset of the genuine failure we're talking about, how do, do you wish you would have handled it differently? No. No. Truly, in your core, you believe that. Truly, truly, truly. Um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change a thing. That is something that needed to happen. You know, that that's part of my origin story, as I like to call it. You know, that's part of. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm gonna be the hero of the villain. That's part of the origin story. Mine um, too. But no, I I wouldn't change a thing because it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot. Um, and you know. I would say that I'm a better person for going through that experience. Hopefully she is too, um, but definitely I am because now I prioritize Brandon. That's what I, I prioritize Brandon. And that, what you talk about, say most people aren't like that. That's just me being, that's, I'm a gentleman. And I, I was always raised to be a gentleman. You know, I had a Southern grandmother who was a Christian. So you gotta be a gentleman. No doubts about it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You got to be a gentleman. And so, and don't confuse gentleman with nice guy because I will leave you at the drop of a hat. So nice guys try to placate and try to, oh, please, baby, baby, please. No, no, no. I'll be out very quickly. But I'll always be a gentleman in all my interactions. What would you tell the Brandon that's on the precipice of going through three years of depression, leaving a breakup, 
on his own accord, but clearly heartbroken and not knowing where to turn, what would you, the version of you today, go back and tell him? Get to work. Go to work. Get to work. Put in the work. You said you have too much idle time. You need to get to work. Find something you want to do and do it. Something productive. But you you gotta you because like I was working home. That was it. I rarely went out, rarely went anywhere, wasn't doing anything. So I would tell him right now, get to work. Give an actionable thing. Get to work, go to the gym, read a oh, book. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go find get, new friends. Get, Get yeah, on Bumble basically, or Tinder or whatever. Oh, no, definitely. De- I'll definitely tell them, skip that. Skip online dating. Don't even attempt. Don't even dip your toe in it. You, it it's a waste of time. You know, just, don't, you don't even need to do it. Just just trust me. That's a waste of time. But getting in the gym and getting to work, work on your finances. And you hear working, that, AJ? Working. AJ and I <laughs> met on Tinder. Hmm? Oh, you met on AJ Tinder? AJ and I oh. met on Tinder. Uh, man, Success online story. dating is, is, is dude, you're one of the very, very few. I know. I sent them an email saying, put us on a commercial, but you're right for most people. Because when my single friends come over, like Megan, I hope you're watching this, she lets me go on all of her dating apps, and I'm just like, oh, he's too short. Uh, he takes too many selfies. It's so much fun, but that's all it is. It's not meaningful at all. No, no, it's, 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 it's empty. And that that's the part why I tell myself just because all it is, is it's a surface level game anyway. You can't get to know somebody off of a uh, profile. You know, all it is, that that's all it is. You're basically seeing the people who look the best win or the dudes, the guys for the guys who you looks, money, status, stuff like that. You have those things as a guy you're usually going to win. If women, you know, you're halfway attractive. Even if you're not even that attractive, you'll still win because dudes are, you know, dudes. Mm-hmm. But no, guys, you're absolutely it, right. Yeah, they say the bottom 50, like 50% of men only get 4.5% of swipes on like dating apps. 4.5% swipe rights. It's also a great way to learn how to market because I feel like you could be less attractive, but if you know how to take a photo, how, what words to use, like if you truly know how to market, you, you could increase your odds. It's like blackjack. Like I yeah. really, I'd be curious to see any like marketers or content creators, what their profiles look like versus just like the average Joe Schmo that's on a dating app. Because now that and I understand what, that stuff. Yeah, that's what most men lose anyway because we horrible at taking pictures we take one good picture and we're gonna use it for about 10 years terrible so horrible terrible how to set up your profile and stuff like that guys have no idea we don't know okay sorry we i got off topic i wanted you to give actually because part of this podcast is Mm -hmm. people that are going through this shit right now you're gonna get at least one that's gonna watch this and be like that was valuable like i can go do that so for me, but I'm a woman coming from a totally different angle than you. For me, it was working out. How I handled when I was ready to get out of my relationship is I literally left the country. I literally went to the office of whatever it was called, study abroad. And I was like, when is the soonest I can leave the country and go study abroad? Like that's how I, I ran away from my problems. And I regret that none, zero. Yeah. Working out, which I, 
I couldn't tell you the actual chemical reaction that takes place when you work out, but it helps. Someone yes. can speak to that. It's not going to be me. Writing. So what I did when I was going through the pits of it, but coming out. So when I guess after my epiphany, if you, if what we called yours, when I realized that, all right, I don't want to, but I know I need to, or I could die. I started writing out why I was upset when I would be, you know, when you, have you ever cried so hard that like, you're just, there's just not, you can't breathe. Your eyes are swollen shut. When I'm, when I was like that, I would write out why I was crying and then I would circle everything I couldn't control. And I'd feel a little bit better after, mainly because I was exhausted from writing, my hands were hurting, but then I would see how many fucking circles were on my piece of paper. And I'd be like, all right, all I can do is be patient because yeah. none of this shit is with him. I can't control any of this shit. No. So I just got to let time pass. So those were things that I did. But as a woman, my emotions process differently. What? So yours was working out. Mm -hmm. You went to work. But are you talking about literally you went to your place of employment? Oh, no, no, not that. Um, work is the self-development, I should say. You know, we want to put a, a term on it. Self-development. Developing myself outside of, you know, currently what I was doing. So whether it was uh, personal development, professional development, um, physical, mental, spiritual, financial. I mean, I want to get better in just about every area. Were there any books that you recommend? Books? Hmm. It's okay if you don't read. I'm I don't, I don't reader read, anymore. read a ton of books. Um, I do. I'll listen to audio, though. Um, that I counts. Would say there, are no, there are no books that I would can really say that that really helped me to this point now. Um now, I would say any reading about anybody's story who succeeded, um, especially overcame things or whatever. Um, I've read the like uh, Sean Alexander. I read his book. Um, I loved his book, but that was you know a couple years ago. Why is that familiar? Um, what book is that? Um, I can't. I can't do. You put me on the spot. I can't remember. Tell me it about one, it. Tell me about it. He, he's on the front of front cover of. He's in a Seahawks uniform. Got his finger pointed up like this. If I'm not mistaken, I forgot what he called it. But you know, he talked about his time growing up. A little bit about his time growing up. Uh, his time in college at Alabama, um, and you know, talked about his professional life. Um, but seeing him and uh, also um, who's the other one? Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan. Um, Michael Strahan has a, um, a nice book too. But as far as books, though, I. Nah, it's been mostly kind not, not well, I'll say YouTube and you know, guys I follow on social media. And just looking what are some at them. Guys on social media. So I will say um any of the prominent guys who really are open about their life. Um one of the one of the one of the guys I love to follow because he he talks. Um I'll hear stuff about him, not necessarily on social media, but anything he puts out. Denzel is very inspirational. Denzel Washington. I love Denzel Washington. Denzel, I, I love what um, he supposedly said to Will after the slap, you know, um, he told in your biggest moment, the devil comes for you. And I was like, that gave me chills. I was like, man, I, said, I have to remember that, that no matter, no matter what, um, I think it's Winston Churchill, one of his quotes, he said, success is not final and failure isn't fatal. 
So basically meaning like, yeah, you may be the man today, but anything can happen. And if you fail, failed previously, it's not a death knell. You know, you know, you can pick yourself back up and keep it moving. Yeah, that speaking to that just a second, that was a fascinating situation that unfolded and all the different perspectives that came after. Just as as someone who has no opinion on it, just reading about how everybody had a different perspective of how that came to, it was just like blew my mind. But I guess that's that's a perfect example of how reality can look different depending on where you're sitting in that room. Yeah. Like it's, it's amazing to me. So now we're on the other side of it, right? And you're, you feel healthier. So how far are you, like, at what point do you feel like you've fully developed from that experience? Are you still developing, you feel? Do you have the habits intact needed to continue moving forward? What do you still need to work on? Um, well, it's a it's a daily thing because the urge to do nothing is great. So it's a, it's a daily it's a daily thing. It's a daily pep talk, um, but it's not as I don't have to do it as much as I used to, or it may be going depth as much as I used to. You know, especially when I was first starting out. You know, when you first starting at the bottom of the hill, you know that's that's that, that's the toughest. They say like the gym, the heaviest weight at the gym is the front door. Um, so when you're first starting out, um, that's when it was hard. But now that I have some momentum now, um, it's not as tough. It's still tough because you'll have setbacks here and there. But um, now that you I'm on the journey, it's not as tough. Um, continuing to build, uh, continuing to add, adding tools to the tool bag, um, opening up my repertoire, I, I would say, getting better at my craft. Um, the more I do this, the more I get better at it. So this right here is training for me doing this with you because I noticed that the more I did this, repetition is how you get better. And so no Amen matter what it is, that. yeah, no matter what it is, no matter what you're doing, especially with young people, no matter what you're doing, repetition. If you want to get good at it, it's repetition. You just it's that do it. simple. It's that simple. It's, li gosh, like I just wish people understood that. I get asked that so many times, like, oh, how do you know that? I read like literally the same thing over and over and over. People don't want to do that. That goes back to the grind thing. Um, yeah. How did the failure of that relationship, I don't want to say your last relationship because I don't know how many you've had since then, but how did that relationship and the preceding events or the subsequent events after that make you prime you to be a better man for your next one uh, i would specific. say i know specific um i would say i know me a lot better because i didn't take time to learn about myself um, i was probably in and out of relationships from probably about say mid-teens up until that my last relationship which that was my last relationship um that was uh yeah 2017 was uh, when it ended um but I had been on and off in and out of relationships uh since I was a teen up until that time and relationships are a distraction especially for young men young men are supposed to be focused on building and becoming the best version of themselves and women are a distraction 
Sorry to say, but they are. And it's not because you guys are, you just, oh, you're so distracting, you're so much to deal with, you're so this. It's, the thing is, is that they call women dream killers. And the reason they call women dream killers is because men are, will Ooh, abandon their- I've never been their, called a dream killer. Well, it's not because you kill dreams, it's because men will abandon their dreams for you. That's one of the issues. That. Yeah. So instead of me focused on, instead of me not focusing on women, I should have been focused on other things. You know, I should have been focused on uh, self-development, improving, and no, there's no telling where I could have took that energy that I put into women and put it towards other things where I would be right now. I've already seen what it's bringing me now because that energy has been, that I have for women now is now going into other things. And I see a return on those things almost daily. What did, um, I, I always, I love asking this question to younger people because they don't, you're, I mean, younger people as in younger than us. How did the failure of your last relationship teach you about how you argue? How did it teach me about me? How, why am I me? How you argue. Oh, how to, how do I, how I argue? Yeah, so after my last relationship, mm -hmm. I took a very long look on how I handle confrontation in relationships. Mm. And that was a really valuable learning how to deal with arguments and confrontation in a totally different way was in, was so impactful on the quality of my relationships, my romantic relationships, but also my friendships going forward. Did you see a similar effect? Did you self-reflect on that at all? We didn't argue a, a ton. Um, we debated mostly, but our last couple debated. of weeks. Oh, we debated for the most part. You know, we didn't really, there was no arguing like that. Kendall, everybody's not a firecracker, Kendall, okay? Everybody's, okay. Everybody, a lot of people avoid confrontation. They're not, they're non-confrontational people. And I'm non-confrontational too. Like once I'm I see it's getting a little hot. Yeah, once I see it's getting a little hot, I'm like, and me being a man, if I'm arguing with a woman, it's a lose-lose. Like, there's no way to win this because I'm not gonna convince you that I'm right and you're wrong. So, and then if it goes left, I'm gonna be wrong. So it's a lose-lose. So I just, I never did that. But our last couple of weeks, it got really heated. Like she started cursing, throwing jabs and stuff like that. And you know, my, the way I handled that was, I was like, oh, the relationship's over and I left. Just like that. Yeah. I don't take disrespect well. Because she disres that's disrespect. My mom doesn't curse at me. You know, and it she only started took for her like, to curse? Well, personal stuff too. It wasn't just cursing, but like y'all know the personal below the belt jabs that y'all like to give. You know, I know. You ain't this enough. You're not that enough. You you ain't do this. And uh, you know, you know the stuff y'all do. So once mm -hmm. that started, I was like, oh wow okay well I guess this is the real you this is how you really feel so and I asked myself really one question when we started going through that and it was like are you going to marry this person in the next five years and the answer was no and so once the, once the answer wow. was no I was like we wasting time I was like let me get her on by her life and I can go by my life because there's no rings being put on fingers in this situation how old were you I was let's see so that was 2017 so i had to be about 29 i think if i'm not mistaken okay so you were at the age where that's a that's a that's an appropriate question 
to run through your head because that I'm thinking from the from my own experience like I'm thinking oh maybe he's 22 like that's a that's a bold ass thing to run through your head when you're in your early 20s like I don't know if the average small 20 late teens ask male asks themselves that question am I gonna marry this woman which is the proper way to evaluate that situation, right? Is this worth my time? Like, am I going to put yeah. forever on this finger? Um, gosh, I I wish I would have thought like that when I was younger. Because I think I would have been so, not even just with, that's, it's the same premise as what you just said. But if I had just approached every anxious situation when I was younger, and when I say younger, I'm talking about younger than 25 with is this going to matter in five fucking years is this going to be something i'm proud of in five years or is this something that i'm going to be regretful of if yeah. i would have just asked myself those questions i i think i would have been i would have saved myself so much heartache and anxiety and tears so if 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 i were to give advice to people that are younger watching this it would be Anytime you get anxiety or nervous or that pit in your stomach, or you feel like you're going down the wrong path, or you're questioning your next decision, ask yourself, is this gonna fucking matter in five years? Am yeah. I gonna marry this person in five years? Is this gonna help me get to where I'm trying to be in five years or a step closer or three steps closer? If the answer is no, walk the fuck away. Deal with the, separate the emotions, try your best. Mm -hmm to separate the emotional side of you, which is still a valuable part of who you are. It's there for a reason, it's primal. But separate the emotional and the logical. And if you can't do that, just sitting here with time to yourself, just by using your brain, write it down. And eventually with repetition, after you write things down so many times, your brain just takes over, you've built those pathways and you'll be able to separate the emotional reaction the logical reaction and you'll use both of those aspects of your being to make a smarter decision that would prevent yeah. so much shit in everyone's lives so much um so much it's that simple yeah if you could shout out the major players in your life you said claude you said your mom you said dad. your dad you didn't mention your dad very much in this I probably I think I mentioned my dad, yeah, in the beginning, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, my dad has been an integral part of, you know, coming up. You know, even though um, you know, him and my mom were never married, you know, he's been a, you know, one of the driving forces in my life because being around him is like looking in a mirror. I'm you know, like I am him, he is me, you know, I'm a part of him. So, you know, he's been a big inspiration and he's my work ethic. It comes from him because he's a tireless worker as well. So is my mom. So if you could sum up adjectives to describe these major players, your mom, your dad, mentors, your friends, give me adjectives for each of them, ones that you've talked about tonight. Um, for my mom, what's the best way to describe her? I would call her fierce, but it's not a, I, the best way to describe her is, um, you know who Life Jennings is, singer? Yes. Okay, so Life Jennings has a lyric, um, is mighty as a lion, but as gentle as a bluebird. That's my mother. 
you know, she can, hey, I like that. She can, yeah, she can go with the best of them, you know, but she all also, she's, she's a woman, you know, so she, you know, can, you know, be feminine and, you know, she has that, she can, she can switch it. She's one of the few women I know that, that, that can really switch it because she can give me a bit of a kick in the pants, then she can give me that pat on the back. That's a good way to describe it. A good mom. I hope to be described as that by my children when they're yeah. older. Yeah, and your I mean, dad. I would say my dad is a hard worker. That's what he is. He's hard work, dedicated. Hard working, dedicated. Where did you learn how to treat women from the most? The most? The women in my life. One so like there's my my mother, grandmother, aunts, cousins, you know, because I grew up in a house with a lot of women, which my mom, you know, made sure that she kept me around men. So even with growing up around women, I spent a lot of time with my dad, with my grandfather, uncles, you know, you know, brothers, stuff like that. Um, but um yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would say um yeah. Do you think it's important for you to eventually settle down and get married? If I want to have children. And I, I, don't, I don't know. It's still a coin flip on that, whether um, I want to have flip. children. It is. It is. It is. It's a coin flip. Because right now, I don't, I, I can't, I don't have the funds for a family. Like, I don't. Like, to Do take care of a toggle? wife and children. Like, mm-hmm. do you, some days you want that and then some days you don't? Or you want that, it's just not yet? It's a back and forth. It's a back and forth. Like, I'll be like, I'll have those days where like, like, hey, I can envision myself. Uh, a White House, uh, two car garage, picket fence, uh, wife. Not the picket fence. A dog. Why you gotta add a picket fence? 2.5 kids, you know. <laughs> 2.5 kids um but yeah i can imagine myself you know being a family man you know i've always that's something that even growing up i've always envisioned myself as being that but as i've gotten older and i kind of really see how relationships are um learning about how women really are and not the way that they teach us they are or program and indoctrinate us to think they are all that disney romantic comedy bull crap um, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's not real. It doesn't fly. It's not real. So, not, so now that I know that that's not real, it kind of killed it for me. Like that fantasy oh. kind of killed it. It did. I'm sorry. It did. Once, once I learned that, yo, so my life isn't going to be like a romantic comedy. Like I'm not going to bump into some chick who, you know, in the library, she got a glasses on showing the book. We bump books and for stuff on the floor. I help her with it and we exchange pleasantries and uh, I don't talk to her that day run into her again and we hang out fall in love have kids and live happily as ever that does not exist okay that- first of all whoa that summary exists does it happen that fast no I think personally and this is only come from my experience I think relationships specifically marriage is more beautiful than that because it's real there's no, real no, trusts and peaks it's mm-hmm. not as funny it's a lot of hard work but I think that it's work, but the work is what makes it beautiful. And the the work, the struggle makes it beautiful. And that's the thing, Kendall, I'm fine with how things really are. 
I am. I'm fine with that. I'm fine that, okay, that's not real, but I do. One thing I understand is work, like we talked about. So I understand that it's work. But how many women who I'm actually attracted to want to be mothers and wives today and is going to accept me? That might be have more to do with who you're attracted to, Brandon. Well, no, no, no. I, look, I'm saying that's going to accept me for, you know, not saying it's not accepting me for um, just, you know, just like me unconditionally, of course, because which we I know that too. Men are loved based on what they provide. They're not loved unconditionally. Only women, children and pets are loved unconditionally. I have to provide something as a male. So, I mean, it is what it is. I got no bones about that. I'm I'm fine with paying the cost to be the boss. Just know that if I pay the cost, I'm the boss. She just got to know that. But now that, you know, I kind of know, okay, it's work. I'm going to have to, um, I'm going to have to find someone who actually wants to be a mother and a wife, someone who's committed to the work, who's not going to leave when she gets upset or she doesn't get her way or 10 years from now, after I'm invested two kids and got everything invested, she's like, oh, you know what? Nah, I want to go chill with my coworker, Dexter. And like, oh, Dexter. or, 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 or oddly just like, specific. Mm, well, Dexter is a, it's like, that's just, they named this or Kevin in sales, as they like to say, those are like blanket terms for those type of guys. You know, they'll, you, if you are here at Conscious Creators talk about, it, they'll say Dexter or Chad and Tyrone or Kevin in sales. So that's just a blanket term for guys who you guys, you know, you just, the fun guy, you just want to go have fun. You ain't think about work, kids or nothing. I just want to have me some fun. Okay, well, you're not doing it on my dime, you know, or that, you know, she just changed, you know, because life changes people. It does because we could go into it um, and I love you. You love me. We're here for the work. We, we have our children. We want, we want the same things. And then something happens in her life could be major could be small and it changes direct the trajectory of how she thinks what she wants in life and it doesn't include me what am I supposed to do then you know shoot um matter of fact Will Smith Will needed to leave a long time ago she was clear she was going in a different direction to him but instead of him leaving he placated he bent the knee and he kowtowed and now he's dealing with what he's dealing with He's made his own decisions, though, so I'm not blaming her. He's made his own decisions. That was one of the perspectives that I was just fascinated by because I didn't see that at all. When I, But, yeah, that was one of the things I read that, and I was like, what? Dude, when so his 11-year-old daughter wrote a letter to a dead man that his wife is in love with. I saw that. That way. was weird. I, yo, I would have tore it up then. I would I would have burned it down. It would have been right. You would have heard, heard the major story. If I was Will Smith, you'd be like, man, Brandon really went off. Like, what what happened? Because that's no. Oh Uncalled no. This man it. has worked tirelessly and he's been embarrassed by this woman for the last three years. That's a fear for guys, man. That's a fear. Cause it, it's oh, clear. It's a, it's, a, it's a huge, huge ego drop. The bait and like switch. What? The bait and switch, because we all play great characters. We can all get an, get an Oscar for the way we carry on on the dating market because most people, as you know, most people are not honest about their intentions. So we all play a role to a certain degree. And women play that role very well. Some guys can play that role very well. And they get you hooked in because they're con artists and they're talkers. And then boom, they turn into a different person. And you're like, well, what, 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 what happened? But you do always get signs before it gets like that. 
But the problem is, is that once a man has made that investment, and if it's not the correct person, the right investment, this could, it can, it can cripple you. Like if Will gets divorced now, he's gonna go through what they call a great divorce. And in a great divorce, it's gonna be very hard for him to, he's a, his, I think his assets, he's worth $350 million. He's not gonna make that back. The money, cause he, he's pretty much gonna split and they probably gonna split everything down the middle. The money that he lose, is gonna be very hard for him to make that money back. Even with him being um, a top actor, especially now with his reputation and stuff. But even before the slap, it was gonna be hard for him to make that money back anyway, because he doesn't have the same drive he had when he was younger. Right, like, that, that, um, that dissipates, that's natural. Yeah, what's the um, what's the actor from um, uh, Meet the Fockers? Um, and he played the dad, he played his the wife's dad. Oh my, oh god. my god, I can't think of his oh name. God. That's Robert gonna De mess with me. Uh, De Niro. De Niro. De Niro, De Niro just Bye. got, he just got divorced. He did? Yeah, he just got divorced from his wife. And they said that he had been taking on all kinds of roles, any roles he could, because uh, she had a lifestyle she wanted to maintain. And so the money that he needed to make for her to maintain his lifestyle, he was constantly trying to work to maintain his lifestyle. You know how he's old. Dude, mm -hmm. he's like, what, 77? Dude, this no, man is not. He's he's old. He's up there. He's got to be in his Google like seven. After this, let me write that he's down got, so I don't forget. But he's going through a divorce now, and now he's not going to be able to make that money back that he's about to split with his wife. So, I, as a man, when you make that, that, that's where this a wife and mother is the most important decision I'm going to make in my entire life, and I have to make sure that this is the correct decision. And now I see that probably come coming. The angle of coming to it from a romantic angle is probably the worst thing you can do. Oh, because the worst, worst, worst. All this that because that 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 goes away, man. After what about three months? Those butterflies is like, oh, that's you know, it's that's that person, you know. And it doesn't get no. that bad. But I'm saying it's the not things the same. you need to look out for are because I I'm of the believer that, and I might get flack from this, but whatever. I'm I come from the perspective of even if you don't marry someone who's your perfect match, once you marry someone, I believe you make it work. I, I don't believe in leaving once you make that type of commitment. Yeah. You make it work. The things that I hope people pay attention to is things you have in common. To find someone, yeah. you don't, I would put that above being attracted to someone. Find something Find a person that you can, if all the romance is stripped away, which there will be times in your marriage where there is no romance, you guys like the same movie, you like the same food, you like to travel, or you both hate to travel, but you have those things in common. Because it's so stupid, but now that I'm going through it, you need to find someone you can be friends with. Yeah. And that's yeah, hard to find. It is, it is. And at the top of my list, is do you want to be a wife and do you want to be a mother? That's at the top of the list. You can't, if the answer to those two things is no, then that's the end of our conversation. That's where it has to start because there's a lot of women who want a wedding, but they don't want to be a wife, you know? And a lot of women who have kids for convenience, 
You know, they have kids to hook a man or kids to have benefits or whatever. Kids to hold it over your head because she, you know, want to control you or whatever. I see, I'm watching now women compete with someone in my family. I won't name, say who it is, but it's a young man in my family and I'm watching women compete for him and he has not a pot to piss in and they're just having children by him. And it's, it's ridiculous to watch in real time. That's so sad. Yes, yes it is. It breaks my heart and that happens so often and you just eat the, the kids like they don't they don't have a kids. choice they didn't choose this yeah I mean, yeah, yeah they did started on that road i see it all too often it doesn't matter the socioeconomic class doesn't matter race it happens everywhere and that's the only way i'll have children is if i get married i'm not having children out of wedlock I was a child born out of wedlock. I'm not subjecting my children to that. Kids who come from two parent homes um, are come out significantly better. Um, they don't like mm -hmm. a lot of all you got to do is look up the statistics on kids who come from single parent homes. It, it's there to all those. The odds are crazy. Are, oh, man, it's ridiculous, man. From um, likelihood to graduate high school, uh, to commit suicide, um, go to college, being overweight, like you're more times likely to be those things like it, it's crazy but you have to be careful with some of those statistics because correlation doesn't always mean causation no and i but it's there's just too many in to for it to not have something to stand on in that scenario like there's so many large just statistical benefits from children that come from two-parent households that at least some of and, them have to be true and one they don't talk about is abuse and whether it's um regular abuse or sexual abuse from non-biological parents in the home oh they talk about it just not enough people read about it it's actually I'm, one of the things i am t it's my deepest darkest fear yes most sexual abuse specifically comes from someone in your inner circle an adult in your inner circle and it is mostly never the father it is the stepfather or the mom's boyfriend or the uncle or the but mm -hmm. it's someone close by and yeah. not enough people know about that yeah yeah that's why i i i mean i have to have my kids in a two-parent home you know mm -hmm. and i'm going to at least attempt to do it the right way and you know because it can end just like like majority of relationships end anyway. If you really look at relationships as a whole, take marriage out and just look at relationships between men and women, 90 plus percent of those relationships end. And then that 10, that 10 or less percent are the ones that actually go into marriage, but most relationships are gonna end. I think if more people, and this is the same reason why arranged marriages just tend to work out so, so much yes, they better. Do you go into it with the mindset of this is it yeah. this is it you open there's no in my experience in my in my marriage we it's not perfect but we have an open book where there is no this is my phone this is it's not like i go through my husband's phone but i can pick up his phone and he's not having a going into cardiac arrest like we right. just have trust at open platform and if you come from a relationship where you don't have that and you go into a relationship where that's not an issue, I remember, cause my husband was my first major relationship after my fucked up one. And I remember going into it and like, 
uh, his his phone ringing. He was like, hey, can you get that? And I was like just floored that this man wanted, was allowing me to touch his phone. Like I was like, is this a, like, is this a test? Like just that you is see, a healthy You could have blew it up after that. I mean, because you weren't used to that, because you got that PTSD from that previous relationship, mm-hmm. you could have blew that up. You like, man, because you, you're not used to it. That's something that you're not used to. So you're like, man, I don't know what to do with this. That's like women who deals with a decent guy after dealing with, you know, a dickhead. She's like, man, he probably could be too good for me. You know, whatever reason that she convinces herself. And then she just or they blows start the looking for shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You just blow the relationship up. And that's the thing. If you go look for stuff, you're going to find it. I mean, people got to know that by now. You go looking mm-hmm. for some whatever it is. You're gonna, you're probably gonna find it most likely. I don't know about all the time. I mean, like, if my husband went through my phone, like, there's not, there's like nothing there that he's gonna find. Well, he doesn't have a reason, he he doesn't have an inkling. But if you get those feelings, like, man, I think that they're doing XYZ, and then you go to see if they are, most likely they probably are because you get that we get that feeling, men and women do. Men get that feeling that hey, she might be dealing with somebody. Yes, yes, we do. We may not say something all the time, but yes, we do. Every now, you got guys who could be oblivious and may not see stuff, but especially if this is a older guy, younger guys, you can kind of pull the wool over his eyes because that testosterone is up here. But he's still in kind of that, what they call a nut fog. Uh, but as an older guy, when you kind of came down off that testosterone and you're thinking a little more clearly, yeah. I, Cause I pay, I study women now. On my, all my interactions with women, straight study them. They do. So now I'm going to know when something is amiss. Do you ever feel like you're over analytical? No, because I let it come naturally. It's not something like, okay, here's another subject. Get to study. No, I just pay attention. Just pay okay, attention. Okay, that's different. You put, you're observant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then my, if, if a guy follow you now. If a guy wants something outside of sex, he's going to be very observant. But if all he wants is sex, he's not going to care about whatever else you're doing. You could be in a relationship with the guy. And if all he cares about is sex or he's not really caring like that, he doesn't care. He's going to be like, that's whatever. You do what you do. I'm only wanting you for one thing anyway. But this is a man that wants you outside of that. Yeah, he's paying attention. I bet three years from now, I'm going to put money. I'm betting $200 three years from now. This man's going to be married with a kid. You heard it here first. Brandon's gonna be married with a kid in three years. <laughs> three and years? Play, and I'm gonna show up at that wedding whether you invite me or not. And I'm putting Man. this on the screen. Is this so so are we so hold on, we gotta give out some look some qualifiers. So what type of marriage are we talking about? Are we talking about an arranged marriage, marriage in three years? No, that, that may I think be more that may be more realistic than me finding some woman and wanting to propose to her. Uh, uh. Arra- who's going to arrange your marriage? You're going to go uh, on a TV show? No. Nah, You're going to go on Love is Blind? No. You would be so good on Love is Blind. No, I was going to go overseas to where they do that type of stuff. I was like, hey, who's got a daughter? <laughs> who's got a daughter? Who's looking to get that daughter taken off their hands? I know. You need to go on a show. I would... Oh my gosh, I'm hardcore watching. Uh, like a dating TV show? Show. Oh my god, I they so corny Have you watched and Love Is Blind? But they're no, I haven't. Now Just, I will say okay. my 
they don't make dating shows like they used to. I used to love Fifth Wheel. Um, um, was it Change Wheel. of Heart? I like Change of Heart. Um, yeah, Fifth Wheel was on like MTV. And um, yeah, so they all I have, came from like, the generation um, of Next. And Room next, Raiders. Oh, next, I, I, next was good. Next was good. Room Raiders um, is my favorite. Changer, Change of Heart was my, that I love Change of Heart. Because like all you did, you up. took a couple and you set them up on dates with people, you know, who they may like, maybe attracted to, seeing how the date went. They talk about the dates and then they ask them, all right, do you want to stay together or we have a change of heart? And it was great to see because some people, they stayed together. Some had a change of heart. <laughs> you guys, man, you've never seen Change of Heart? Change of Heart no, was no, awesome. No, no, Oh, yeah, no, that's old. I have old to look, though, yeah. look it up. How old? Like what year are we talking Ooh, this is the 90s. Like, Jamie Foxx, his show, he did an episode where he was on Change of Heart. And so uh, that was definitely the 90s. Yeah, yeah. But it was on his show. So he was a contestant on the show, but it was on his show, the Jamie Foxx show. And it, it was really good. They had the real host and everything. It was it was really fun. Okay, wait. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. I'm sure my husband's seen it. Yes. Okay, where can people find you, Brandon, if they want to reach out to you about our conversation today? Um, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. I'm on TikTok. Um, just about every social media platform. Brandon Lampley is the name. Um, uh, my audio platforms, I'm on Spotify, Google Podcasts. Um, I think it's Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Damn. and all of those good stuff. Yeah. You're everywhere. Okay. We'll have to definitely tag the Instagram. The Instagram is just your name handle no the instagram is um the handle is teddy and i'm gonna change it right oh now oh my gosh i know i know uh, but it's teddy three po teddy three po you'll okay. see a picture of me with my hot top fade and my jaguar fit i'm gonna have you send me over the other uh handles if they're different than different than that hopefully they oh are. no but i change it I change pretty much everything to just, it's just my name. So you type my name in there, anything, it'll, you'll see me come up. It'll pop on up. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on today. This was obviously, it's always going to be a deep conversation with you. We're going to have to have you back on. And I want to come on yours. I didn't realize you had your own podcast. You didn't say anything oh, about yeah. that. Yeah, I go you live. You didn't say anything about that last time? I, I think I did. I think I mentioned it. Yeah, because when we ended Where it, the hell was that? I was like, He's like, tell the people where they can find you or whatever. And then, yeah. So, yeah. Um, matter of fact, on the Facebook, I go live. It broadcasts to Facebook. And I go live with Sean. I go live with Mr. Uh, Mr. Reed on my sports show. And anything that kind of pops up, whether it's sports, politics, um, celebrity gossip. You know, I did a couple shows on Will Smith and, you know, just how that just was. <sighs> oh, I have to watch that. Painful. You know, it was just it was a shame. But I've done stuff on that, so um, I'm gonna do more as far as the pop culture bubble because I've kind of done sports and more, mostly self motivation videos and stuff like that, talking about like little different topics here and there. Like uh, one of my last ones I did was a uh, high value man equals high value target. You know, basically teaching young men about okay, yeah, you want to be this prominent man, you want to be an AJ Cam, but understand when AJ Cam walks around. He's not only a high value man, but he is a high value target. It's always somebody looking to pull from him. You have to understand yes. it. So it's one of the things Ooh, we'll that's talk about. that's a valuable one. I like that one. 
because people yeah. don't realize they don't they just see the glitz and the glamour realize you got agents always... you got family all kind of crazy stuff and then the the dealings with women and women who mm-hmm. want to get stuff out of you and yeah yeah it's a predatory environment for yes, sure oh i'd love to watch that but okay i appreciate you i'm gonna let you go i need to go to bed you need to go to bed and uh, i'll keep up with you thank you all right thank you Ooh.